fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, here to bring you another Falcons 2023 mock draft. I know everyone is ravenous to get mock drafts. We're going to have mock drafts coming out basically every week from now until the draft. Uh, Some will be on the pod here. Uh, and others will be live on the uh, Wednesday Night Falcoholic Live show. I know everyone has been clamoring for that. We are working on it. Uh, it is ready to go. So we should be having our first live mock either this week or next week. Uh, so look out for that. But we're definitely going to have several of those and then several more of these as well as we get closer to the draft. Because as of you listening to this episode, it will be April we are in draft month. We are almost there. Uh, it's been a fun season. We still got a month to go. I'm sure there will probably be more wild stuff that happens. Uh, things that sort of shake up the board. We've already had the first big domino fall, obviously, with the Carolina Panthers trading up to number one. Uh, more trades could happen. Uh, more trades could happen before or after the Falcons or involving the Falcons. We'll see. Uh, but this is an exciting class, and uh, I'm excited to get into another mock draft scenario here. Now, as you can see by the title of the episode, uh, this is going to be the Bijan edition. A lot of people have asked me to do a mock with Bijan in it um, to see how that sort of plays out. I think that's a good idea uh, because I do think it's a realistic option for the Falcons. I, I don't think it's high on the list of players it's likely to be. I mean, I think it, it's one of maybe the top five. So it's certainly up there, but I still personally think Christian Gonzalez is the most likely pick at this point, but we'll see. Um, But the Falcons have met with Bijan. We've talked a great length about Bijan. I'll talk more about Bijan today, but I did want to do a mock here with Bijan in it. But that's not all that we're going to be doing uh, because there was another thing that a lot of people are asking me to do in a mock. Uh, And so I figured let's get wild and do them both at once. And we will get into that right off the top once we break down what happens with the first seven picks. And I think this is uh, something I'm going to start doing, which is basically telling you the first seven picks of the simulation so you can get a better idea of who was available uh, when I made the pick. Because that changes a lot, right? I mean, if Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson happen to be there at eight, you know, those are guys that are going to make you just go ahead and jump up and take them. I don't personally think that any of those guys will be there so I generally don't mock them to the to the Falcons but uh I do want to walk you through sort of what the simulation spit out right now uh so the first seven picks of this mock draft uh the Carolina Panthers took quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama with the first pick uh with the second pick the Houston Texans took quarterback CJ Stroud with the third pick the Arizona Cardinals took edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. The Seattle Seahawks with pick five took defensive tackle Jalen Carter. The Detroit Lions at pick six took edge rusher Tyree Wilson. And then the Las Vegas Raiders at pick seven took cornerback Christian Gonzalez. So those are your first seven picks. Um, That leaves Will Levis still on the board, which opens up interesting potential scenarios, but also results in an a situation where the most frequently mocked players to the Falcons are all gone with Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter recently. Um, They're all off the board. So 
Got to pivot a little bit and, and look around. Uh, before we get into the actual mock draft pick, I do want to remind folks that if you do enjoy the show, please do like subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast audio, please leave us that five-star review. Really appreciate that. Uh, and if you're interested in becoming one of our first advertisers here on the Dirty Birds and Proves podcast or on Falcoholic Live, the videos, uh, you can reach out to us, falcoholiclive at gmail.com uh, to get the ball rolling on that. Uh, definitely interested in hearing uh you know which businesses may be wanting to advertise here uh it's a great platform a lot of very passionate fans who i'm sure will be very thankful to anyone that uh, helps support the show so uh hit us up at falcoholiclive at gmail.com guys thank you um so falcons pick at pick eight is not going to be a pick at all because in this scenario we're doing the other thing that people clamor for which is what if the Falcons traded down? Um, and if only three quarterbacks do end up going in the top eight, I think it's a pretty... The the chances of a trade happening go up because somebody may get antsy for that fourth quarterback. And a lot of people might say, well, why would they trade with the Falcons? Why wouldn't they trade with the Bears or the Eagles? And the answer is that the Bears probably aren't going to trade down again. Um, I think the Bears are looking to get the top offensive lineman with that pick. Uh, and if they trade down, they're risking losing that player uh, and being stuck with the third offensive tackle, uh, you know, because those tackles could start coming off pretty quickly after the Falcons pick. Um, and with the Eagles, you know, they don't really need to trade down. I think they're going to be enticed to just take a really good player at 10, which is crazy when you're coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Um, so I, I and teams would probably need to get ahead of the Titans to do that. Uh, because the Titans are definitely a spot for a quarterback. Um, but really, it's going to be the Titans actually coming up w- uh, with the Falcons to prevent someone else getting ahead of them. In a, a small trade here, it's only a three-spot swap, so the compensation is not massive. That's another thing that might help get this deal done. Um, so for this trade, the Falcons are going to send the eighth pick and pick 225, which is their later seventh rounder, to the Titans for pick 11. Uh, pick 72, the third rounder, and pick 186, the sixth rounder. I did try to get the Titans fifth, <laughs> um, but they wouldn't do it for the fifth, which is I thought was weird, uh, but, you know, they would for the sixth. So, whatever. The Falcons didn't have a sixth-round pick. Now they do. Uh, and, of course, they get that top 75 selection, which I think is significant for this Falcons team. They do need those picks a lot. Um, so you only And you only jump back a few spots. The Titans did end up taking Will Levis in this spot in the simulation as well. Um, so now at pick 11, things are have changed a little bit. Falcons have an extra day three pick. Maybe now they're feeling a little bit more emboldened to go after uh, Bijan Robinson, who by many accounts is a top five talent in this class. Obviously, he is a running back. You guys have heard me talk about him before. Um, but he's more than that, right? Um, Bijan Robinson is a special receiving talent at running back as well. He is one of the most gifted runners we've seen come out since Saquon Barkley. He has otherworldly movement and cutting skills, outstanding hands, uh, terrific vision, terrific footwork, and he's an absolutely elite-level athlete. So this is a very special offensive talent. I think people that just label him a running back are probably doing a disservice because I think Bijan offers more than that. In a similar way to what Christian McCaffrey did, I, I think that 
Bijan has a better build and it's probably going to be a little bit more durable. Now, to McCaffrey's credit, he was very durable in college. Um, but I, I think that, that Bijan has the potential to be the best running back in the NFL. Um, and the Falcons will have him for up to five years on a pretty reasonable contract. I mean, when you draft a running back in the first round, like you're not getting the best possible value you could, right? Because you're, I think his first year uh, at pick 11 is like, maybe 3 million and then it goes up about a million each year. So, you know, he's not getting a cheap contract, but if he's the best running back in the NFL, he's going to be around the 15th or 16th highest paid running back at that salary. So it's still a good value. It's not as good as getting like a seventh round pick or like a Tyler Algier in the fifth, but it is a good value. And, you know, we know that this team does not care about positional value. Say what you will about it. We know it's a fact at this point that they do not care. Um, This is absolutely something they could do. I think you could make a strong argument, and I have repeatedly, uh, that Bijan probably moves the needle, so to speak, of the offense forward more than any other player would. And I think he's a really special blue chip level talent. And I think anytime you add a blue chip talent, especially outside the top 10, it can't. it's not a bad pick. Um, as long as it's a good player, it's a good pick. And just go down the list of all the misses in the first round and even in the top 10. And you know, maybe you could make the argument that it's not the best value. The position, you know, is not worth that high of a pick or whatever, what have you. But the same things were said about Chris Lindstrom, um, you know, and, and I was even a proponent of that to some extent saying like, look, I think he's a good player, but is he really worth this pick? And ultimately, if it's a good player, and he plays really well for you for that rookie contract and beyond, or be, you know, not even beyond just it, you hit on the pick. Like it's a really good player. You're going to be satisfied with that. And maybe you go back and nitpick one way or the other about, Oh, we could have had X or Y or whatever. But ultimately I think if you have that top talent and it's a player that hits, you're going to be happy. And I think with Bijan Robinson, you're going to be happy. <laughs> you're going to be happy watching him on Sundays. And you know, there is something to be said about you can probably put most running backs behind this offensive line and they will produce, and that's true. Uh, I do think Tyler Algier is capable of being a an RB1 in a committee. I mean, I, I think he's proven that. Um, but it's not the same as having a Bijan Robinson, a Derrick Henry sort of player. It's just not. Um, you look at the carries that Algier had, and I think he did a wonderful job. I, I This is not meant as a slight on Algier in, in any way. Um and Bijan would offer you a lot more on those carries. You you think about some of the holes that Algier saw and took for 10, 15 yards, which is great. Bijan could take those to the house. And and if you turn, you know, 10% of Algier's long runs into touchdowns, this offense probably would have averaged three or four more points per game. Um, so that that is a significant amount, um, I think, it's, it makes sense for supporting your young quarterback with, with a strong running game. And look, the Falcons just need weapons on offense. And I think be, they've, they've shown a willingness to be creative with their players. They've shown, they've shown how they can use a running back creatively with Corderell Patterson. Bijan could, could definitely step into that sort of role where he, where they line up in the pistol where he rotates out to the slot where he's a pass catching option as well. And the fact is the Falcons do need another running back. Very, very significantly. Caleb Huntley may not play this year. Cordero Patterson's getting older and has been breaking down every year towards the end. He can't be dependent on to take a lot of carries. I think he's still going to be a guy that is is a factor, and, and Falcons will be very happy to have him, but he's not a volume runner anymore. Um, 
you might be able to get a few games of that out of him, but it, it's going to take a toll on his ability to contribute over the rest of the season if you do that. So they don't need Bijan Robinson, but could they use him? And would the offense get a lot better with him here? Yes. So especially, and, and with the trade down, you know, I think that would make it more palatable to a lot of people. And maybe it's a little bit of a cop out on my part, but hey, it's good content. You know, you check two Two of the boxes with one mock, right? Trade down and Bijan. There you go. So it's, it just should make everyone happy, right? <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure there'll still be people that don't like it. But look, you you don't have to like it. It's okay. You don't have to like all my mocks. You don't have to like any of them. You know, this is just a just a, just a scenario that could present itself. Um, so now let's see what they do. They took a running back with the first pick. So how do they build this roster? Can they still, you know, bolster this roster to such an extent? that it's good or does that eight pick going to running back crush their draft let's find out right pick number two number 44 uh, pick two pick wow round two pick 44 excuse me uh the Falcons have done a lot on the defensive line right they just finalized the signing of Calais Campbell which is huge it gives them a base end that's an elite run defender still and gives them another option on the interior that they can rotate in he's still a dangerous pass rusher not as explosive as he once was, where he was like Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowl type player, but still a very good rotational pass rusher. But his run defending on the outside is very significant. It does sort of push the need for the Falcons to absolutely add that type of player down the board. But I still think they're going to go after that sort of big end inside outside player. And I think pick 44 is a good place to do it. There's a couple of options that could be available. We've talked about Adebare, uh, you know, uh, from Northwestern, he could be an option there. We've talked about Keon White from Georgia Tech previously as an option. Um, this time I'm going to go with uh, Tuli Tuipalatu from uh, USC, who is a similar type of player, right? Uh, big end, terrific size, 6'3", 290, uh, has some good arm length as well. Um, and he did slim down closer to 270 in 2022, played a lot more edge. Uh, has played a lot on the interior as well. So very versatile player, certainly someone that could fulfill that sort of Cam Jordan role. Um, he's very explosive off the snap. I mean, I was really impressed by that. I think he moves extremely well. Um, very strong, combines his athleticism and the power very well. Uh, and look, he's an impact player. He finishes extremely well. His production has been exceptional. 13 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss, uh, high motor, relentless pursuit player. Uh, I, I really like Tupilatu. I think he's really underrated in this class. Um, I've been sort of trying to get him in a mock for a while, so I'm glad I was able to in this one. But I, I do think this would be one of the better picks they could make at 44 if he sticks around. The reason he could, he's probably going to last a little bit into this range when I think he's maybe more of like a late first talent is he's kind of a tweener, right? I mean, 6'3", 270, you know, 290. It's not quite interior size, and it's a little big for the edge. Um, but in a defense like Ryan Nielsen's where they're comfortable using that type of player, they're happy with big ends like Cam Jordan, like Clayus Campbell here. Um, they're very comfortable having those guys play on the edge on base downs and then kicking them inside and being very happy with that because they love to rotate so much. And with, uh, you know, Tupilatu doesn't necessarily have 
to be a starter right away. I think that he's likely to get a lot of reps as a rotational player this year. But the, with Calais Campbell coming in, he has the perfect mentor to, to get him where he needs to be. And then the Falcons don't necessarily need to rely on Campbell next year coming back. As much as we may want him back, he'll be 38 next year. He may want to retire at some point. Maybe he'll come back. But I think preparing for the future, getting someone in here that Campbell can take under his wing um, to play a similar role. Obviously, Tupelacho doesn't have the just one-of-one size that Campbell has at 6'8 with his like crazy length, but a similar style of player. Uh, and I, I think that would be a perfect addition at pick 44 and a good value as well. All right, moving on to pick uh, the third round, pick 72. This is the third rounder the Falcons got from the Titans. Uh, And we're going to take a, you know, really run to the podium here with Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee, still on the board. Now, some folks might say he's not going to make it this long. He occasionally does. I I think that it's probably about a 25% chance that he will still be around in the third round. And the reason for that is he's coming off injury. So, um... When he does, you know, when you have a player coming off injury off a down year, teams don't like that. Um, it, it sort of flags players. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I think Tillman look has looked pretty healthy this offseason. I think he's getting closer uh, to full health. But again, he did miss some time. That has been a concern with him, and that may cause him to fall a little bit. But the Falcons would love to get him at 72. Uh, certainly fits the archetype of what Arthur Smith likes, right? 6'3", 213, long arms. Ran a, ran a pretty respectable 40, 40 at that size is, is above average for sure. Uh, hit that 157 10-yard split, which is pretty good. He's very explosive, had some terrific jumps, and he's just really physical, really willing blocker, excellent contested catch guy. Uh, and he's just, he's a guy that I think you can really take and develop as a wide receiver too. Um and the thing is, he's going to need time, right? Uh, coming out of Tennessee's offense, he had a very specific role. He ran a very limited route tree, obviously killed it with those routes. But um, it's going to take time to build out that that route tree. It just does. Um, so I think he's not necessarily going to come in immediately as the, the number two target. Um, you know, I mean, it would be the number three target in this offense, obviously with Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts, but the Falcons do have Mac Hollins. They just signed Scotty Miller. They'll add Tillman into that mix. He'll probably be the first guy off the bench. Um, it, he just raises the floor of the whole passing attack. And I think he does have that high end wide receiver two ceiling and he fits exactly what the Falcons like to do on the outside with that size, that physicality. And he's no slouch as an athlete either. So like that pick, if he's still around. In the early third round, I would be very, very happy to add him. Falcons back on the clock just three picks later now uh, at pick 75. And again, we're going to take a shot on a player who's kind of strangely falling uh, down boards after a really good combine um, because of some size concerns, right? Um, and I've, you know, I've seen this now. I've, I've honestly passed on cornerback DJ Turner at uh, out of Michigan at this pick multiple times because I was sort of like, I don't think he falls here. I don't think it's realistic. Right. But it, it's not that crazy. Um, Jordan Reed just put out his seven round mock draft for ESPN. He's one of the most plugged in guys in the industry right now. And he had Turner going 69 to the Rams. So that's only a few picks away. Um, I, so that to me, says that, that Turner may last because people are concerned about his size. Some people are pegging him as a slot corner. I'm not that concerned. I'm just not. So um, th- the reason is Turner's 
an amazing athlete. He ran the fastest 40 of any player at the combine at 426, hit uh, 142 10-yard split, which is also absurd. And he did set a new combine record in the 20-yard split with a 232. He he flies, man. You could just tell when you pop on his tape. There's very few receivers that can outrun him. He is small, 5'11", uh, 178. You know, not prototypical outside size. His arm length isn't that bad. I mean, I think it's about average. Um, but he's a smaller corner. He's not going to be a matchup guy for the big corners. But I think his his coverage technique is really good. Um, I think he can play in zone or man. I think he is a... I think I described it as he checks the box as a tackler. Um, he's very willing. He's reliable. Not a big hitter. Not someone that's going to jar balls loose or or be a big asset and run support. But he's reliable. He's not going to let you down. He's he's he checks the box, um, which is that's fine for for corners. Honestly, and if you're a slot, it's a little more important. But on the outside, I think it's fine. Um, and look with it, with what Atlanta has already, they have AJ Terrell, a bigger, longer corner already on the roster. What they don't have is an elite speedster, as fast as Terrell is. Very fast, 4-4-2. I mean, that's still really good. Turner coming in at that 4-2-6 gives Atlanta now a matchup corner to match up with anything the NFL can throw at him. I don't really think there's any receivers that can challenge that speed. He will have the ability to keep up with anyone, and that just gives the Falcons someone who can take away deep threats, someone who can be really relied upon to keep up with those more dynamic options out there. I think he's a high-end CB2 I would be so happy to, to get him here in round three. Uh, and uh, yeah, cornerback DJ Turner from Michigan. This is a deep corner class. Some of these guys are going to fall. I don't know which ones. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, maybe it's Julius Brents. Maybe it's DJ Turner, uh, Darius Rush, you know, Caillou Blue Kelly. Like some, there's so many of them that some of them are going to fall. I don't know which ones. But if it's DJ Turner, absolutely sign me up. And if it's most of those other guys, I'm pretty interested as well. So uh, moving on. To pick four, uh, to round four, pick 110. Uh, it's going to be linebacker DeMarvion Overshone. And the Falcons really, they did add Caden Ellis, which is a pick that, uh, a pickup that I really like. I, I think Caden Ellis is a really good player. I think he's one of the more underrated signings. I do think he's going to play primarily off ball alongside Troy Anderson. And with the defensive line getting so much better, the hope, I think, is to keep these linebackers cleaner so they can go make more plays and not have to take on as many blocks. At least I hope that's the plan. Um, And we heard from Terry Fontenot himself at the NFL owners meetings that they're working to re-sign Rashawn Evans. I don't know if that actually goes through, but the fact that he was willing to say it leads me to believe that they're just hashing out the numbers so that it's going to happen eventually. We'll see. And that would give Atlanta a three sort of three linebackers that you feel decent about at least um you know I think with Caden Ellis you're feeling good about that Troy Anderson we're still hoping there but I'm pretty confident he's gonna have a much better second year and then Rashawn Evans just a really reliable starter I don't think he's a high-end player but I think he's a good blitzer he he fits this scheme well I think having him as your third linebacker first guy off the bench in nickel uh is perfectly fine they do they do still need more there behind the guy the top guys right it's Michael Walker, who, look, in the past has been a, a decent starter, um, so he's good depth. I, I don't know if Nielsen's going to be as big of a fan <laughs> of him, uh, or maybe he'll like him more than Dean Pease, who seemed to really sort of fall out of favor. Uh, but I do think they, they could use a coverage specialist. They could use a guy that they can throw out there against the teams that are really going to try to stress the linebackers in coverage, because I don't know if Troy Anderson will be ready for that role yet. Um 
Athletically speaking, Troy Anderson has the upside to be one of the best, if not the best, man coverage linebackers in the NFL. He just doesn't have a lot of experience doing it. Um, so maybe he can get there someday. But I think until then, getting someone who is experienced, who does have that ability, is really important. That's DeMarvion Overshow to a T, uh, former safety who converted to linebacker. Really, really reliable, really good in coverage. You can tell he's comfortable moving out there, dropping in zone. Uh, following guys downfield and he's got the size to match up with tight ends too I mean um, almost 6'3 long arms uh, a little on the lighter side as a former safety right around 230 um, but really athletic 4'5 640 elite uh, 10 foot 4 broad jump also elite he's really physical you know he is on the smaller side but again the Falcons have really emphasized fixing this defensive front so if these guys can be kept clean, Overshone is is a really good hitter. He's really physical. He's really rangy. He can fly around back there and make plays. He just can't take on blocks. Um, so if he can be kept clean, I think this is a potential starter um, and, and a guy that can really handle himself in coverage. I think he, he needs to be the will, right? He's not going to be a Mike. He's not going to be someone who's navigating a bunch of traffic and, and getting off blocks. But if he can be kept clean out there, give a, get a chance to, to run and chase a little bit, uh, go downhill on some tackling attempts. I think he's he would fit in super well in this defense and um, great athletic testing. Uh, you know, looked good at the Senior Bowl. I, I don't think he showed out as much as some were hoping, but I think he had a solid week overall and um, would love to pick him up in the fourth round here. Uh, and I, I think he would be a really nice complement to what the Falcons already have at the line in the linebacking room. Um, next pick, round four, pick one thirteen. Uh, we didn't get an offensive lineman. That, that was the one spot that I was hoping to get earlier. I just didn't like who was available when we, when the Falcons were on the clock. Um, you know, I chose to go with the edge at 44. And when you do that, you know, Joe Tippman was there. I'm going to do a mock with Joe Tippman at 44 as well. I think that's a, a really good option there, but, um, they, they missed on that. That was a spot that they did miss on. So they're going to, if they want to add someone, they're going to have to add a day three guy, some folks could fall. Maybe Chandler Zavala falls. It seems like his hype is pushing him higher and higher into the day two range. But um, they could also go for somebody who is falling because of injury, like an Andrew Voorhees, which is the route we're going to go here. Because I love Andrew Voorhees. I, I thought that I, I really liked his attitude. <laughs> um, watching him block is a lot of fun. He's very physical. Uh, he's played tackle and guard. You know, the arm length is a bit of a concern. So I think that he's going to be a guard at the NFL level. But 6'6", 310, big build, uh, pretty good athlete. I, I wouldn't say that he's like a great athlete. He, I think he's enough to check the box in this scheme. He's not going to be like a Drew Dahlman, Chris Lindstrom, you know, level athlete out there, but I think he, he's good, certainly good enough to check the box and, and be able to, to do the stuff that the Falcons want him to do, but he's so strong and so physical. Um, you know, I think that he would fit right in on this offensive line in that regard, really dominant, uh, run blocker just just really dominant there um and really aggressive in pass pro as well i mean technically speaking i think he, he's got some stuff he could clean up there but uh i i do think that he has the size and the anchor to have a good base in pass protection it's just the quick guys that give him a little bit of trouble now and i think you can coach that up the thing with with Voorhees and why he's still around is that he's he's probably going to need to redshirt or you know sit out most of the 2023 season based on the timeline of his injury. It's not impossible that he could return at some point during the season. Um, you know, the ACL tears, people are getting better and better at, at recovering from those, but more than likely this is a wait and see pick. This is a long-term pick. 
Uh, but with the Falcons spending a lot at left guard, spending a lot at left tackle, and spending a lot at right tackle, they need to find a way to go cheap at left guard. And I think doing a pick like this with Andrew Voorhees, you do have an opportunity here to get a cheap left guard for three years after you know he's drafted, getting a, a day two talent in the fourth round. Now you don't necessarily get him his rookie season. The Falcons are going to have to find something else to plug in for this year. But I, I, I like the long-term outlook of this pick. I love Andrew Voorhees. I mean, he's he's already a legend for putting up 38 bench press reps with a torn ACL, um, which was the most of any player at the Combine. Um, I think the coaching staff would love him. I'm sure that they do love him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love. I, did, I, I could tell, like, this is a guy that coaching staffs will love. So he could even end up going higher than this because people just like him so much. But those injuries tend to push guys down. He may last even longer than this, but I, I think, I think this. If you want him, you need to snap him up here, um, and this would be a good spot for him uh, coming into Atlanta, where he'll have a year to get healthy, and then hopefully can step into left guard in twenty twenty four. Um, moving on to f- uh, the fifth round here, pick one fifty nine. This is the Calvin Ridley pick from the Jaguars. We're gonna go with the safety here, uh, safety Ronnie Hickman from Ohio State. Uh, and I think, honestly, the safety room is in pretty good shape. I think, obviously, Jesse Bates, huge addition. Um, I think people don't understand how big that's going to be for the Falcons. It, it's massive. Richie Grant, good. Uh, Jalen Hawkins, you know, solid starter. Um, so there, there's three safeties that you feel good about. Um, the fourth safety spot is wide open. They don't really have anyone there. Uh, so I, I think... You know, maybe you're hoping some of these guys they brought in can do stuff. Like I know Javante Moffitt came back and he played like a little bit here and there. Didn't really see anything that made me feel like, oh yeah, well we should, you know, make sure to get, you know, get him out there. Um, You know, no offense to him, of course, but it's, it's a spot where I think they can improve. Um, And I think that they probably should be looking to, to get someone in here that, that fills a role that, I think they they still need they they could use a guy that plays a little closer to the box, um, and that's what Ronnie Hickman does. I, I think he's a, a very good player close to the line of scrimmage, uh, uh, solid size, right? Almost six one, two oh three, very physical mentality, uh, very aggressive. Loves to play close to the line of scrimmage. Loves to fly downhill. Uh, he's explosive. I think he has good. Uh, mobility, good side sideline to sideline range in that shorter area of the field, um, and he's got really great length, thirty three inch arms. He can cover tight ends. Um, so I I really like Hickman. He just he doesn't play the deep ball well. He doesn't really have the ball skills. He doesn't track downfield super well. Um, I think he's like fine in cover two, not necessarily a liability back there, but he's not an impact player at all playing deep. So he's a box safety, and he needs to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, so that that sort of makes him a role player. I think as your fourth safety, that's absolutely fine. I think he can be good at that role, and I think he's going to be a good special teamer as well. So um, I would be happy to get Hickman here in the fifth round. He sort of fills uh, a niche that the Falcons don't have right now with that more physical box safety. Um, and I, I think that he'll do a good job in that role and, and, and you know get playing time right away and be a good special teamer, which we know this team values. Um Moving on to the sixth round pick acquired from the Titans. That's pick 186. We're going to go with a familiar face here. 
uh, wide receiver Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. And I've drafted Trey Tucker to the Falcons before. He, his stock has gone up a little bit. He used to be more of like a like a seventh rounder, maybe UDFA type. I, I think his good testing and solid senior bowl has sort of pushed him a little bit earlier to where he's definitely going to get drafted now. Um, and look, I, I've got I've I've talked at length about how I don't really think that the Falcons are going to prioritize slot receiver. Um, it don't, the slot receiver in Atlanta's offense only plays about 25% of the snaps. That's one of the lowest, if not the lowest rate in the NFL altogether. Falcons use tight ends in the slot all the time instead of a receiver. Um, and it's why I'm, I'm not, why I'm telling people like you can cross Jackson Smith and Jigba off your board unless he falls to the second round by some miracle. Um, and you could probably cross guys like Josh Downs off your board that, that are exclusively slot players. Now, if they play a lot in the slot, but also have shown that they can excel outside, that's fine. I think the slot only guys are not really going to be on the board, especially early. But when you get to the sixth round, that's when you can go ahead and say like, we still need a good slot receiver if possible, uh, because 25% is not nothing. It's a quarter of your snaps. So when you do have a slot receiver out there, you want that player to be a a positive, right? Um, So that's why, you know, you go for Trey Tucker here uh, uh, later on day three. And look, I mean, he, he does offer a lot he is undersized and that's why he's a slot only guy 5'9 182 but he has a ton of plus traits really uh really explosive really fast um I think he he ran a 4-4 flat at the NFL combine but apparently ran in the low four threes at the pro day if you believe that so he's he's fast uh he's very very fast um he is a small guy but as a slot receiver you got to be tough and he absolutely is tough as nails he's very physical doesn't shy away from contact. Uh, he, he catches the ball extremely well. Um, doesn't have a big catch radius, obviously, but he does. He's very reliable as that as that inside target. He's fearless. He's going to be able to, to, to take those passes and do good things with them. Um, and look, when you can get a guy that has existing chemistry with your starting quarterback from college, like T- Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott earlier on, perhaps as well, I think that's, that's a trump card. That's something that you, that's a tiebreaker that you want to see if you can get this guy in here um, because that's going to help this player hit the ground running and it's going to give your quarterback a familiar face, someone that they're comfortable with. And I think that's definitely worth adding here in the sixth round with an extra pick. And um, he's going to compete with like Jared Bernhardt, who I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens there. We know the team likes Bernhardt as well, but I, I, I think, you know, you can bring in some competition and, and I, you know, I think there's room for both. I don't know that both will necessarily be on the roster. Um, because the Falcons just don't keep very many receivers, but they just need more talent at wide receiver. And I think bringing in Trey Tucker here is a good idea. Um, last pick because I traded away the late seventh. So you're welcome. Uh, we are going to go back to the defense here. Uh, round seven, pick 224. We're going to, we're going to take a, a, an interior player here with nose tackle, Robert Cooper from Florida state. Not really a big need right now. Um, because if you assume that, Eddie Goldman plays, then Robert Cooper's not making the roster. And if you, but I, I really don't think it's safe to assume that. I think, I think it's likely that Eddie Goldman plays. I don't think it's safe to assume that. So I think the Falcons will be considering adding nose tackles to compete. They do still have Timmy Horn, who who was starting to play a little bit better towards the end of last year. But I think it would be wise to bring in more competitors there, more depth at nose tackle. Um, and maybe Robert Cooper's a guy you can get as an undrafted free agent as well if they go in a different direction here at this pick. But I I like Cooper. I mean, 6'2", 335, has that very traditional nose tackle build, really strong, 
uh, has a great anchor, can play against double teams, and, and moves well like for that size. I mean, I think he has a good first step. I think he, he moves laterally pretty well. But the production dropped off this year. Just it, it, it didn't he didn't have a great final season. Um, so it, he hasn't developed as a pass rusher at all. I think that there is potential there, but it hasn't happened yet. So he's fallen down draft boards. I think I think at a certain point I was hopeful that this might he might have been like a day three like an early day three type of player um, if he had really been able to turn it on because after 2022 um, I th- I think he was on the upswing so didn't really happen definitely a little bit uh, quieter final season but still a player that I think has potential and and look you bring him in as insurance for Eddie Goldman and Timmy Horn. And maybe he's just a practice squad guy for you this year. But I, I do think that with the athleticism he has, that there's more there uh, than, than we saw on tape and saw on the stat sheet. And I, I think he's, he's a good sort of dart throw at this point in the draft. So there you have it guys. That's the Falcons Bijan edition mock draft. Uh, you can see that look, getting that extra third round pick helps a lot. It does give you a chance to add that impact, another impact potential player to really bolster the depth chart and look I think it also shows that even if you don't have that third rounder um and you take Bijan at eight you can still do a lot of good things with your other picks if you take Bijan at eight you can get an edge rusher at 44 and you can get a corner in the third round and you're still hitting on a lot of your major needs while adding a blue chip talent so the the one takeaway I would say for those of you that don't like Bijan at eight which is fine I'm not, you know, saying that you have to love that pick or they have to support it. You know, I think that the concerns about the value there are valid uh, is that you're getting a blue chip player and you, you can't usually do that at pick eight or pick 11 or whatever. So if you can do that, that's usually something that I would lean towards doing because it means you're getting a good, a great, a good to potentially great player. And even if it's at a position of lesser need uh, running back, you know, it's not the most valuable position anymore. But in this offense, and what with what he brings in the passing game, I think it's easier to justify. And we know we know this this front office is obsessed with the unicorns, right? The 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 one of one offensive players. So, uh, you know, they may just not be able to help themselves. We'll see. But I hope you enjoyed this one, guys. A little bit longer because we had extra picks to make. Um, thank you so much for watching the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Uh, like I said previously, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast audio uh leave that five star review help us out there we really appreciate it and if you're interested in joining our advertising group you could email us directly falcoholiclive at gmail.com to get the ball rolling on that be happy to talk to uh local atlanta businesses craft breweries uh be flexible definitely willing to work with you to to set up something that works for for you and your business uh happy to make graphics for you or whatever to to make it easier uh, because we have the video platform as well. That's not something that not a lot of podcasts can, can offer you. So, uh, you know, my, that's, that's my self-promotion guys. You know, technically that, that, that we're, that's all we're doing. So again, thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Kevin. I have alcoholic Kevin. Uh, please follow the show at alcoholic live at alcoholic pod on the Twitters. Check out the for that terrific written content. And we will talk to you next time. We'll be back Wednesday night on Falcoholic Live at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then, guys. Have a great day.